0: and relax. This is Up. I'm Charlie
1: Clausen. I'm Will Anderson and uh, hello and thank you for watching. So we're over the World Wide Web again because, mm. well, we're back in the same area of the world but you've recently been in Victoria so you were being very sensible and careful and making sure that you got your COVID results back before you ventured uh, back out into the world and so that's correct. We're down the internet today which means that Podcast Mike is also on the call (laughs) today and I, I hesitate to say anything about Podcast Mike because firstly, as we're recording this, there's been about 11 cases, you know, overnight in Melbourne of COVID. So there is a chance that the people of Melbourne are about to go into a little bit more extended lockdown than they thought they were going to be in. And I am very cognizant of the fact that Podcast Mike is one of those people. But I think he's brought some fine fashion to the table
0: today. Well, my question is: Do you think this is deliberate? Like, if you look at what Podcast Mike was wearing, and then you look at his background, do you think it's deliberate? Like, he's colour coordinated with his environment. It was my first observation as well, because right last week
1: we went on a bit of a rant, and I didn't even get to the fact that Podcast Mike counted us down and said something like three, two, one, go, or begin, begin, begin. begin. three, two, one, <laughs> begin. That's what he said. And my whole point was, no, That after one, we begin. You don't need to say begin. But today, three, two, one, and then a thumbs up. And I'm staring at him in that sort of deep, rich, blue hoodie with this kind of lighter blue wall in the background. It felt very... Modern. It felt very hip. I I felt like I'd walked in something that I didn't know whether it was like a coffee shop or an art gallery. There was just something kind of minimalist and cool and striking Mm. about the whole thing. Did you get the same feeling?
0: Yeah, it's like if you went to the NGV and there was, like, a video installation. Yeah. hey, let's say it's a video installation about isolation, you know, what it's like being in Melbourne, and it was just a guy in a room surrounded by blue, you know, because you could read into that lots of different things, blue being, you know, the colour of depression, you know, blue also being in these modern times, beyond blue, but also, like, you know, Mike's, you know, a a tech guy, and so you could, like, his his chroma key, you could sort of change his environment, maybe that's what the installation would be, is his wearing a blue hoodie is against a blue background so in the installation you can go out and select you know you want to rescue this guy from his isolation so you can put him anywhere you can take him to Maui you know you can put him on top of Everest well although having said that if he's wearing a blue hoodie he'd just be a floating head in any I was just going to say
1: you can put
0: his floating head on top of Mount Everest (laughs) Game of Thrones style (laughs) digitally put his head on a pike to warn other people not to try and climb Everest I mean how many times do we have to go through this (laughs) <laughs> uh, it looked
1: hip. It looked striking. He looked like a like a a, a startup tech genius. That's what it looked yeah. like to me. Like you know, he had this sort of like blue hoodie, very much your sort of tech colors. This like you know brick mm. slash painted background. It was very. If I walked into somewhere and I was like, "Hey, I've lost all these uh, computer files. I just don't know how to get them off my phone," and the dude looked like him and had an office like that, I'd be like, "This guy would be able to find my files."
0: Yeah, he's got the he's got the uh, uh, Apple Store Genius look going on. Yeah. it's like, <laughs> "Hey, man, I'm an expert, but all my brain power goes into solving your problems, not what I'm going to wear." It's the Einstein factor. <laughs> I'm so glad we've revived this trope of uh, talking about podcast, Mike, to warm ourselves up for an episode. I missed it.
1: I don't think the listeners missed it because they can't see him, so don't get the amusement out of it that the two of us
0: do. But uh, I hope that our words paint pictures. Yeah, the theatre of the mind. Let me give you some more theatre of the mind for, for the listeners out there. Um, I finally, in, in, in uh, our pursuit of being handy jacked, I've been doing some more work around the house uh, mm-hmm. as a... Uh, You know, avid listeners of the show know I've just had a new deck put down. Um, I've had, I want to oil my deck, uh, which has been problematic when I'm going to Bunnings to let them know what I need to do. Um, But prior to oiling my deck, (laughs) I've had to clean my deck because it's a filthy deck.
1: Right. Right. Such a dirty deck. (laughs) It's a dirty, dirty, filthy deck. deck. I am going to oil you. I'm going to oil you good, you dirty deck.
0: It's uh, it's it's got you know little just uh, mildew spots and stuff like yeah. that, and so you what got I've a been spotty told, deck. Well, I've got a spotty deck. What I've been told by um, uh, Gemma is that yeah. uh, you know I need to make do a thorough clean because I'm the kind of guy when the job is seventy percent done, I'm like good enough, good enough. <laughs> so I've been scrubbing my deck, I've been I've been I've been rubbing soap and stuff on my deck and cleaning up all the kind of mildew spots mm. and stained wood and stuff, and it, I thought it was actually looking pretty good, mm-hmm. but. Jem took one look at it and said, no, this needs to be pristine. Before you oil your deck, I want this to be pristine. So I've made numerous trips uh, back and forth to the hardware store. Um, what I've realized, though, Will, is that I've been doing my handy jacked workouts in gym gear because I don't have work gear. Like I don't have like kind of like, you know, overalls or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. The closest I have to, you know, physical labor clothing is, is gym gear. But on Friday when I was soaping up the deck to give it a good scrub, mm-hmm. I fucking went ass over tit. Like who'd have thought that you cover uh, hardwood in soap and then walk around in rubber sneakers, <laughs> you might go flying. <laughs> like it was, it was actually pretty scary. I came, off, I came off the top of the deck and uh-huh. landed with my spine on the edge of the top part as I hit yeah. the, the ground below. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like I could have popped a shoulder out, I could have smashed my back. So, If you're like lucky. You
1: might might not have ever walked again, and it would have been because it could have been. Gemma
0: wasn't happy with your seventy percent clean dick. Dick. Well, well. Uh, look, this is the other thing too. Is I also? I'm not. I don't think I'm colorblind, but I think I have an issue differenti- differentiating shades of colors. Like I don't often, I can't often tell the difference between things like orange, pink purple, like, I I, I get that there's different. sounds like you're colorblind, I... to be honest, from what you're saying. No, because I, I, I read up on it. Because <laughs> Apparently, colorblind is, like, a more distinct yeah. if you can't tell the difference between red and blue. No. Yeah, I, I know. I think – and I think I know the general difference of, like – what are they called? Primary colours. I can identify a primary colour. Like Iona has a lot of toys that are all in primary colours. And so when I sit down with Iona and we go through her books, I'm pretty good at picking the colours and I get a cookie. (laughs) But it's more when I'm looking at kind of you know, shades of a colour. You know, there's, there's subtle differences between sort of like, you know, lavender and purple and pink and coral and all this kind of shit. Like, it's either I can't differentiate or I just don't have the vocabula- vocabulary for it. And looking at my Dirty Dirty deck, there was a similar issue in that I thought it was done. But Jem comes out and Jem, you know, she trained as an artist. You know, she's a director. Her eye is highly honed. She was like no 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 look at that like that 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 that's a dark patch there that doesn't match that that's dirty that's a different spot and i honestly was looking at the deck going yeah but you know like it's not a huge difference like it's not standing out to me like i know amy uh she's very sensitive to smell right she can detect like an odor from 50 feet away she's acutely aware i think when it 50 years comes- away like historical <laughs> things before you were yeah, born right. <laughs> Someone farted in this room 27 years ago. I can <laughs> tell you were, when you were born, it smelled disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell the ammonotic, ammon, oh, it's the word, ammonotic, I can't even fucking say the word. I'm gonna lock okay, in.
1: You don't have the vocabulary to explain it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so I'm looking at the deck, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I, all right, I'll just take your word for it. Yeah. So I needed to go and get some safety equipment or clothes that were a bit less prone to having me slip over. And so I, I went and got myself some work boots. Yeah, love and it. And here's the thing. That's how it starts. Here's the thing. That's how it starts, the boots. Well, this is where I'm coming to realize, like, this is probably not a, 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 a new um, revelation, but I'm starting to realize, like, hardware stores are just toy stores for, for grown men. Like, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Like, it's all about getting, like, accessories. So, you know, when you're a kid, you get the Castle skull and then you've got to buy the accessories because you want this bit and that bit and you want to extend it over here and then you need to get all the parts to go in here. You know... So, I get my, my Ryobi hedge trim, and it's like, well, I should probably get a Ryobi Lawnmower as well, because they use the same battery. And then it's like, well, then I'll need a leaf blower as well to clean all that up. And then I'm like, oh, okay, but. Then you suddenly you're like, I'm
1: a, you know what? I feel like I'm a Ryobi guy. I feel like I, I totally should get feel- a Ryobi hat and I should get a Ryobi sticker for my car, which is now I like call the uh- Ryobi mobile.
0: That's what I, I'm like, I'm going to travel to Japan and visit Ryobi. I don't know if it's a real place, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's Japanese. Is Ryobi
1: even? First place I go, I am packing my (laughs) chainsaw and my head trimmer and I am going to Ryobi, Japan, which I assume is a place.
0: So that's one part of the toy store. You got all the toys, you got all the remote controlled toys and you got like, you know, I've got this high power hose, which is now my new favorite tool because it's like the best water pistol I've ever had. I've cl- In the last two da- three days, I've cleaned the car, I've high pressure cleaned the driveway, I've cleaned all the moss off the house, I've high pressured the deck. Now I'm just like asking, Gemma, is there anything you need blasted with this high pressure hose? Because <laughs> it's so much fun. It's like this, I had a, like a super soaker when I was a kid, but this is, this is even better. Like they should give kids high pressure hoses. Imagine the water fights as a kid, if you could just like turbo blast each other in the backyard. It's a super, super soaker.
1: Like I, my um, back, uh, have I turned myself off? You've muted yourself, (sighs) as you tend to do. Sometimes when I look things up, it mutes. I'm not sure why that is. But anyway, here's uh, what I was going to say is like I've been uh, doing some burning off and my little burn off pile has become like the eternal flame because it's been perfect conditions for (laughs) the fire to just keep burning at a low rate, low wind. It's kind of like not rainy but it's kind of damp in the air so everything's damp around like it's really safe conditions to be doing some burning off so i've just been keeping this but Mm. part of it is the other day i was literally going around the garden and i was going beyond where i needed to go to find stuff to put on the fire like i'd actually run out of putting the stuff that was in the garden on the fire that needed to go on the fire (laughs) i was roaming the neighborhood trying to find other things i could burn (laughs)
0: So pyromania, is that I what mean, we're saying? Slippery slope is all I would say. Gateway drug. But but it's the same thing, right? It's the same mentality you had as a 12-year-old when you love to burn things, you know, with a magnifying glass or a lighter or whatever. And now it's like we're adults and, you know, you've got money to spend and you've got like a, a house that your parents can't tell you not to smash shit up in. And you're like, I'm just going to go out and burn shit. I'm going to blast things with my high-powered hose. So, I mean... I'm in Bunnings and like, you've got all the toys and it's like, oh, where's the costume department? I'm going to dress up like Batman because that's the next stage now, right? right? Like I've done, I've got all the toys and now I need to dress up. And so going down the aisle where all the safety clothes are, I start accessorizing. I'm like, well, what's going to look good? <laughs> I'm not even really thinking about, well, what's got the steel ta- uh, you know, steel toe cap and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, so there are these, They have, have you seen these things? They're um, uh, like, they look like sneakers, but they're sneakers to stop you being Electrocuted. They don't conduct electricity or something. They look like just a normal running shoe, but there's some kind of insulation in them. So they're they're shockproof. And so I'm looking at this shirt and they look awesome. They're these cool, like all black sneakers with a chunky heel. And I'm like, I don't really need that. I need something with grip, you know, maybe something that's going to be waterproof, especially if I'm going to be scrubbing my deck. So, do I really need this? And I'm like, oh, maybe I can find a reason to buy these shoes. Maybe I can start doing some more electrical work in the house and then I can just. Yeah, but see, but
1: then the mistake you're going to make is that you'll uh, wear those shoes into your new training program, which relies on you being shocked <laughs> and it won't work on
0: you. They're like, are you wearing shock proof shoes? Well, we'll get to this a little bit later. A bit of a pre sizzle. We have had a listener, a uh, an expert in the field, write in with their take on EMS training and uh, oh, was it EMS or EMT? EMS yeah. training. DMT. EMT. EMS, which leads to you ordering an EMT. Uh, I, can I give you a little bit of history of the Ryobi company? So yeah, let's do it. Uh, Ryobi. Sorry, just before you go on, Ryobi or Ryobi? I say oh, Ry. Okay, you're saying Rye.
1: Uh, here we go. Uh, Ryo, Riobi Riobi. What? Well, the um, you know, when they give you the English, that's meant to make it easier to pronounce. I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. It turns out I'm not across all the symbols or what they mean because it's very okay. hard for me from the pronunciation they have here for me to tell you whether it's Ryobi or Riobi or something in between.
0: Well, you just sit with you're comfortable with, and I'm uh, sure we we'll get letters.
1: Uh, Riobi. Caesar Cusho Company was founded in 1943 with the sale of diecast products commencing a year later. In 61, blah, 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 blah. Oh, power tools. The Ryobi Tools brand in North America, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand is licensed by Tectonic Industries of Hong Kong. So actually, you don't need to go and visit japan you just need to pop over to hong kong to visit where this stuff's going on one world technologies oh that's a ominous yeah, yeah. <laughs> ominous sounding company isn't
0: it i believe that is because in, it's interesting they their whole selling point at the moment ryobi ryobi is the power of one the idea being that they have this one powerful battery that you can interchange it's a genius idea because it means once you've bought one tool you then want to buy the rest because you can use the same battery Okay, here's a couple of things that have just come up. RYOBI is how it's pronounced.
1: Uh, Podcast Mike has put that uh, up on the little message uh, window. And it says, it's RYOBI, source, I can read Japanese. Podcast Mike can read Japanese. Well, I can't read Japanese. So yes, I'm assuming Podcast Mike can read Japanese. Did you know until this day that he could read Japanese? No, I didn't. Mike, can you also like
0: speak Japanese and to what level?
1: I mean, I, I like the idea that he can't speak a word of it. He can just read it.
0: What a curse.
1: <laughs> I can speak some Japanese, but not much. Okay. okay. Right. All right. Did you study it in high school? <laughs> this is great. This is what the podcast is now. We're not just describing <laughs> what he's wearing. We're literally just asking him questions Having a and one waiting for him to type it up.
0: Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Understood. And now I can read Hiragana, Hiragana and, and Katakana. And Katakana. The two main alphabets. Okay. There's two alphabets yep. in Japan. I did know that. One, one's not good enough? You did know that. Yeah.
1: Well, I did Japanese there's at p- high school as well, but all I remember is Ishni, Sanshi, Go, Roku, Nana. No, don't even remember that. Don't even remember how <laughs> well, to probably, count to 10. Well, Mike's saying there's actually three alphabets there's uh, Hiragana, Katakana, and English. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kanji Kanji of course Kanji yeah alright well there you go aren't Kanji the giant monsters isn't that what are they called The, the you know the, 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 the in the movies and stuff Kiriju ki, or something ki, Kiriju Kaiju Kaiju, kaiju. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's a terrible mistake to make if you're in charge (laughs) of one or the other. Like, either way, you're in a lot of trouble when somebody comes down and realises that
0: you've flipped them around. Uh, So give me some more history of of Ryobi. When did they... Oh,
1: so, well, it turns out that Ryobi isn't even Ryobi. It's just branded (laughs) Ryobi, and it's made by One World Technologies. And...
0: uh, I seem to remember, like, the ad campaign in the 80s was a samurai. It was a cool... Ad it was like it was like a samurai a, sh- a samurai in shadows like slicing things with his sword and it's like Ryobi I was like oh yeah man I wa- mm. I want that I want I want I want to I want to be a I want to be a garden samurai I want to be a household samurai <laughs> and I feel like I am how loyal do you get to to brands I mean I know uh, you, we've talked before that you once felt such a loyalty to The Simpsons that you avoided watching South Park for a while because you are like, no, no, I'm a Simpsons guy. When you buy like a car or, you know, um, you know, a brand of clothing, do you become loyal to that or is it more than just the branding? It's like, well, you know, I've got to like it and you know, it's got to fit my body or it's got to fit my lifestyle. Well, somewhere in between those two things, I
1: think is where I've settled, which is I tend to find something that I like and then I just continue to buy that product forever. Yeah. So so it's less about the idea of going, like if I'd p- found a pair of Adidas shoes or a, f- a pair of whatever it is, runners that really suited my feet and that I liked, I'd continue to buy that sort of runners for the rest of my life. For me, it's Nikes. Like I look the other mm-hmm. way on, you know, all the horrible things that Nike's done as a company because like their shoes for whatever reason just are very comfortable, like, sneakers that fit my feet and like that i enjoy wearing and so whenever i just like i don't even look at other brands of shoes when i go to buy a new pair of runners i just go like what black nikes do you have
0: i feel like i avoided nike for so long probably for for less uh um um not not for the the reasons you have i'd have less integrity than you more just because i was like it's such an oversold brand it's so mainstream man i mean, if i'm gonna get a sneaker it's not gonna be a Nike. And then I caved in about three or four years ago and started wearing them like, oh my God, these shoes are so comfortable. They're so great. Although having said that, I've been weaned off them by the power of the rock as we've discussed. Uh, I'm buying Under Armour now and I think uh, I think they're pretty good. I think their shoes are pretty comfortable and pretty good, especially the Rock's Project Rock range.
1: Ah oh, man, if I found like, th- that's how easy it would be for me to change my life though. Like I would just go, if, I've, if I wore a pair of those shoes and I really like them, I'd just be like, okay, well, then this is the shoe that I'm going to wear for the rest of my
0: life. <laughs> I find that sometimes, like, you know, we, you know, we bought a new car about six months ago, that I do have a tendency to kind of be brand loyal just based on, okay, so I'm in this car now, let me learn about that. Or, you know, with the Wiggles. Like, Iona loves the Wiggles now, so I tend to just, like, investigate the Wiggles and find out as much as I can a, a, about that thing. But I don't know necessarily like if we got a new car or if I own it will eventually move on from the Wiggles if suddenly I'm like oh wait a minute no we should stick with this like you know we're not people we're not fly-by-nighters I think once something's in my life I like to kind of know what it is and, and learn as much about it as I can but then once it's gone I don't really have any loyalty
1: I when it comes to cars because cars is a good example of whether you do or you don't I think and I started like I did my first two cars were <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: hello, hello, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> when I traded out of my first barina, I traded into a, a a nicer version of the car that I was already driving. Wow. Like, just the more modern version of the car. You're and such it a was, tall, lanky dude, though. Like, even before your hips, that must have been an uncomfortable drive. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of money. It was a really economical car, you know, and it was reliable. And my first mm. car was like... You know when... Because I was one of those kids who like our parents would pay us for working on the farm once we got to the age you could pay kids to work on the farm. So our part-time job was doing farm work. And it meant that because they have to pay you properly and because you're a farm kid and you do actually end up like doing a whole bunch of hours is by the time you're 18, you normally had, and so our our parents would get us to try to aim for saving enough money to buy a car. So whatever money you'd saved by the time that you got to Eighteen, you could spend on your first car, and I had about, I think, seven or eight thousand dollars, so like a decent amount of money, and bought like That's a, good. bought like a, Marina that probably somebody had had for like six years or seven years, so it was it was wasn't like a new car, but it wasn't like an old old car, yeah. and it was such a good car that when I like you know, because I was still you know just out of union stuff, still didn't have a lot of money, I just traded up to another Marina, but after that. I drove a CR five. Is that a Honda? I don't even know what brand that car it was. Like whatever Mazda. that Mazda. Is that what it is? Anyway, whatever, whatever it was. Um, we've had a Mustang. We got a Holden Ute. Like yeah. I drive an I drive an
0: Audi at the moment, which is a very nice car. I will say. Well, you've got to a, a stage though, where you have your functional car and then you have your fun car, right. like your weekend car. Yes. Right. That's true. Yes. Yes, we have our like day to, daily driver, and then our the,
1: then one, then the one that's, that's always, always in the shop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I think I seem to remember my first car. Like I just used to drive Mum's car because it was just the two of us. There was no other demands on it. And then when I moved to Sydney, I bought it off her. I think I stiffed her on the deal. I think I gave her fifty percent upfront, promised to give her the other fifty percent. And then the car died on a drive from Melbourne to Sydney and mechanic bought it off me for like 700 bucks. I think I gave mum like, you know, not even the majority of that 700 bucks and said, yeah, 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 the other, the other money's owing. And just like, well, I'll just wait her out. She's much older than me. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see her. And it worked. <laughs> now, Will, uh, we've had a, a listener link us to an article that, is uh, of great interest to both you and i we're always worried about where ai is going and and what it's doing this is from the business insider australia the headline is rogue killer drone hunted down a human target without being instructed to a un report says this is from uh, joshua zitzer uh okay any thoughts on that headline what's the publication the business insider australia okay that's a i think that's a legitimate enough legitimate source well, this is the thing because uh, I got sent this link or we got sent this link and I was like, that headline, because you read something like that and then you find out, yeah, but it was like, it, was, it wasn't it was a real killing. It was just some, but I've read this article and it seems like this is a real thing. <laughs> so let's delve in, shall we? So the, the bullet points are a deadly drone hunted down a human target without being instructed to, according to a UN report. The incident took place in Libya last year and experts are sounding the alarm about the lack of regulation around killer robots actually hanging. okay so firstly here's what i'm going to say my immediate reaction is i'm surprised
1: it's taken this long that's the truth i'm not surprised by the fact that it's happened in any way and experts are suddenly thinking that perhaps we need to be regulating this a little bit more strictly than we have well guess what Idiots have been saying that for 10 years. Complete morons and dickheads like me have been saying that exact same thing. So it turns out it just, I was a decade before, there is a fine line between being a complete
0: idiot and being 10 years ahead of a fucking expert. Yeah. I'm a bit suspicious now about this article because the their source that they've written this from is the Daily Star, which I don't really know much about, but that less reputable. Less re, yeah, okay. Let's read it. Anyway. Sounds like
1: something they've made up for a comic book adaptation where they couldn't get the rights to the Daily Planet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so the article begins: A lethal weaponized drone hunted down a human target without being told to, for the first time, according to UN mm-hmm. report, seen by the New Scientist. Okay, well they're linked to New Scientist. That's another reputable publication. Okay, new Scientist, we're back. Yeah, <laughs> this no, no, we keep, keep rollercoaster <laughs> oscillating between legitimate publications and stuff. Rupert Murdoch has on his on his fourth tier. Um, okay, the March twenty twenty incident. Saw Kagu 2 Quadcopter autonomously attack a human during a conflict between Libyan government forces and a breakaway military f- I mean, faction. Just for a start, if you
1: call something Kagu 2 Quadcopter scary. Like, I mean, it just sounds like an action
0: movie sequel, doesn't it? Kagu 2. Kagu 2. Yeah. It sounds like one of quadcopter. those kind of like, you know, films from India or Thailand or something. It's, it's one of those like really bloodthirsty action films. and just see the poster is like, <laughs> Just like a decapitated head, Kargu Two. Okay, so it was built in Turkey. It's the Turkish-built Kargu Two. It's a deadly attack drone Mm. designed for asymmetric warfare and anti-terrorist operations. What does asymmetric warfare mean? Mm, Asymmetric. I I mean that that means non. Or does it? Asymmetric means non-linear, right? Like. Okay, have I
1: muted myself again? No, no. I can hear oh, yeah. I've managed to not do that. That's good. <laughs> no, Grandpa, so, you're still here. Uh, okay, so asymmetric warfare, according to Wikipedia, is defined as a war between belligerents whose relative military power differs significantly or whose strategy or tactics differ significantly. Okay, so that's right. That's the fighting terrorists. Typically a war between a standing professional army and an insurgency or resistance movement militia.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's crushing It's crushing uprisings. This sounds incredibly ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. This is a Turkish not delight. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was designed for asymmetric warfare and anti-terrorist operations. It targeted one of Haftar's soldiers while he tried to retreat, according to the paper. The drone, which can be directed to detonate on impact, was operating in a highly effective autonomous mode that required no (laughs) human controller, the New York Post said. And highly effective is in quotes. It was a highly effective murder. (laughs) so effective. Totally, totally murdered him. Fucking hell. The lethal autonomous weapon systems were programmed to attack targets without requiring data connectivity between the operator and the munition. In effect, a true fire, forget, and find capability, the report from the UN Security Council's Panel of Experts on Libya said. Okay, so that's awesome. Basically, they're just deferring any kind of judgment to the machine, just find and kill. That this is likely the first time drones have attacked humans without instructions to do so. Zach Kellenborn, a national security consultant who specializes in unmanned systems and drones,
1: now, hang confirmed on. In the report. just can you
0: please can you just go over that quote again, please? The lethal autonomous weapon systems were programmed to attack targets without requiring data connectivity between the operator and the munition. In effect, a true fire, forget and find capability. <sighs> Forget and find. Isn't it find, fire, forget? <laughs> they got the order of that wrong. You find the target, you fire, you forget about it. Not fire, forget, and then find. No, I think they fight they fire first, find,
1: and then they fucking forget about it. They let the AI robot do its thing and it
0: fucking fires. Does the killing. It fires. This is likely the first time drones have attacked humans without instructions, Zach Kelleborn, a national security consultant who specializes in unmanned systems of drones, confirmed in the report. Kellenborn, however, has concerns about the future of autonomous drones. How brittle is the object recognition system, he said. How often does it misidentify targets? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Something that, good questions that we should have asked a decade ago, <laughs> I imagine, when we were developing this technology rather than now. Jack Watling, a researcher on land warfare at the Royal United States uh, Royal United Services Institute, told new Scientist that this incident demonstrates the urgent and important need to discuss the potential regulation of autonomous weapons. Genie's out of the bottle, mate. <laughs> Time for discussion is over.
1: Don't wait until the
0: killer robots are autonomous before we have a conversation about whether they should be autonomous. Human Rights Watch has called for an end to so-called killer robots and is campaigning for a preemptive ban on the development, production, and use of fully autonomous weapons, according to a report by the charity. How, how do you reckon? Yeah, but
1: it's, al- it's already not a preemptive. It's, 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 it's empty.. Yeah. The pre is gone. The AI has already killed somebody without being asked to kill somebody. There is no preemptive now. It's just empty. We need to
0: get on the empty immediately. The thing, too, is that I think we all have in our minds, you know, the, the sort of Terminator principle, this idea that you will have an opportunity to either fight back or negotiate or get past yeah. this thing. No. No, it's just going to detonate from a distance. Like, you won't even fucking see <laughs> exactly. it coming. Welcome to asymmetric warfare, bitch. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely no – we have no chance against these things. None. Absolutely none. If they
1: can fire from in the air, target people, and then fire at you,
0: we're fucked. What about, all right, so let's just say you get info, you get intel, let's use military speak, you get intel that you yeah. have been targeted for deletion or termination, whatever they're going to call it, right? So you know <laughs> yeah. that at some stage, a drone, let's use the same example, this cargo, Karg- whatever its name is, cargo two mm. is coming to get you what do you do what where do you go i mean you have to assume they have all your information so first thing you do is destroy mm-hmm. like any gps systems you have right your phone your car any of that kind of stuff and then you get moving or do you stay still <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> do you fucking just bury I'm, yourself in the ground and hope it doesn't I'm, find you <laughs> tempted to go with
1: option b i mean just <laughs> just do let's it. not make it any harder than it needs to be let's get it over quickly and i'm not turning off my phone gps so i'm just going to spend the last <clears throat> moments online may as well you know um no i guess yes immediately you turn off all your tracking so anything that could possibly track you and then you find somewhere that is not your primary address that you can hide and then i imagine what I would do is try to stay as absolutely still as possible in order to – because I can't run from it. Yeah. I can't get away from it in that fashion. So I would just hope that well, that drone needs to be deployed
0: for somebody more important after a while. Well, realistically, just say you get you get 12 hours notice. So, you know, the strike is mm. going to happen in 12 hours. Realistically, where do you think you could go that's going to protect you? Like what's the – if? I mean, I'm assuming you want to get underground. Is that right? You want to get sort of – Somewhere where like an airborne attack is going to have, be less effective. So I'd have to take the, speaking of cars,
1: yep. can't take the new car. It's full of computer systems. that would be easier to track. But here's the advantage of having an unreliable old car is that if it wasn't at the mechanics at the time I find out about this, you have some sort of analog technology that you can use to sort of get it as far away as possible, at least. So I have 12 hours notice. Here's what I think I would do. I would drive my car as far as I could away from where I was eventually going to end up, allowing me time to get back to where I was going to end up. So I'm using the analog car, the ute, as some sort of distraction for them where they're initially trying to pick up clues of where I might be. So I drive that car as far away as the rest of the time to walk back to where I'm going to hide is going to take. But I am actually going to hide quite near where I actually live because there are some great sort of waterfalls and caves and stuff around Mm. here. I know the area. I think it would be good for protection. Luckily, there's been a lot of uh, local people tearing down 5G towers in the area. (laughs) It's very hard to get reception on phones. I assume drones will be the exact same thing. So I get in one of these sort of waterfall caves but I still am in an area where maybe I can sneak out and there's lots of farms around here, lots of avocado farms. Yep. I'd still eat quite well. Macadamias and av- avocados. I'd be subsisting on a diet of macadamias, magic mushrooms and avocados, <laughs> living in a waterfall, waterfall cave. To be honest, Doesn't so too far bad.
0: it sounds better than the life I'm currently living. So who who do you tell? I mean, obviously you've got to let Amy know because she needs to get out of there as well. She's not the primary Can't target. Can't tell anyone. Can't, Can't tell, I tell. anyone. <laughs> huh? Can't tell anyone. to have to go? No. Yeah. Of course. No. I've got to tell Any, Amy anyone and- who's going, who's going to be near the house or likely to come to the house or lives in the house. You have to tell them. Do you tell yes, me? Of course. Because you're going to no. need someone to bring you supplies at some point. I know you're assuming you're going to live off avocados and macadamias, but you're going to need drinking water. You're going to need clothes. So you, you need a you need someone, right? But how do you contact them? You can drink from the waterfall. You can bathe in the waterfall. You can drink oh, from the you'll waterfall. You'll get a stomach parasite in the first bloody drink, and then the diarrhea for the next two weeks. Well, give me something to do <laughs> while I'm hiding in my cave. <laughs> so you wouldn't try and make contact with someone like me or like a, a, a close friend or relative to just say, hey, you know, this is the deal. I can't, can't tell you too much, but I'm out of here. I'll let you, I'll do, you'll get a signal. Just bring blankets supplies, you know, to this waterfall, this cave. I'm
1: assuming I'm not the first person targeted, right? I'm assuming that I can't imagine that if AI takes over, apart from the fact that I was a person on the record early rallying against them, maybe that's one of their early tests. They just trawl through old podcasts and see who's been bad-mouthing them (laughs) publicly and just take them out one by one. So maybe I am up the top of the list. But let's say I have 12 hours notice. I've changed my plan a little bit. Less important is the distraction of the car. More important now is getting supplies into my cave. So what I've got to do is like, particularly like books and like toiletries and those sort of things, I've got to get them to the cave. So I've got to load up the ute. I've got to get all that shit down to the cave, hide that in the cave, then drive a bit away, get back to the cave,
0: get into reading and shitting. (laughs) Reading and shitting. (laughs) What about, do you think there's any chance that you might forego your vegetarianism for survival? No, I
1: think it'd be more important to be a vegetarian. Like, because the the local lands are plentiful when it comes to, like, I might have to become, like, I have some money. So hopefully I could, like, just at least take some cash and stuff, like, with me Mm. or, like, some valuables because- near where i'm thinking near these waterfalls and caves there's like local farms around like people do grow their own produce so i think there'd probably be some night raids but i wouldn't want to steal people's stuff so i'd like to in their honesty box out the front of their garden i'd still like to give some money leave
0: some money or whatever you know there are in this area there are a lot of farmers who have produce out on there is that on system yeah. where the produce out on the road so you could like definitely because do you eat eggs i can't remember Yep, eight yeah. eggs. All right, so, so you, that's get, fine. you get protein. Like, there's lots of uh, fruit and vegetables in market stalls that you could get to because you're going to avoid... Nuts. Popu- heaps of nuts. ...populated areas, aren't you? There's no chance yep. of you heading into any town or anything like that because CCTV, you might get no. spotted. If you Would you change your appearance at all? Like are you growing your beard, cutting your hair, doing anything like that so they can't do facial recognition? I
1: don't think it's going to help me to go... I'm not known for having a beard... Um, uh, so I think that's probably your best option but whether I could
0: grow a beard like (laughs) I really can't you know what I mean imagine if that's the deciding factor in you living or dying is your prepubescent facial hair (laughs) your wispy little moustache and patchy beard it would be my major concern
1: is the fact that I wouldn't be able to grow an effective enough beard but yeah I would definitely go long hair long beard also sort of fits in with some of the vibe of the people living up in the hills so like if people see somebody, like a, a figure late at night with like long hair and a beard, they're not immediately going to think it's me. It could be, you know, similar sort of people living like alternative
0: lifestyles out in the country. And do you think there is any part of you that will attempt to make contact with whoever's pursuing you, the of to negotiate, to try and reach a truce, to sort of like get out no, of the situation? No, I'm happy. No,
1: you I'm happy. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually bringing on, I say. I can't wait. This sounds like an awesome life. All your responsibilities are gone. Get time to catch up on some reading. I'm eating natural. I'm growing my hair again, which I've always wanted to do, but I've never had a real excuse for it. Trying to grow a beard. Let's just see what
0: happens. That's a good experiment. Are you Are you writing any material? Like At some point, are you thinking, shit, if I actually survive this, I'm going to have... Like, not just one year's show. I'm going to have a show. I'm going to have shows for the next decade.
1: Yeah, but I'm writing it on the walls of my cave like The Shining. Just like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it is an interesting question. Like, even in, uh, like, uh, survival situations, you know, is there, is there room for kind of art and creativity? Like, let's just say, you know, the first two weeks go by and you seem to be well hidden, like the, there's, there's been no signs from you that they've, they've discovered where you you are. So you sort of lower your guard a little bit. Do you do you write? Do you kind of like you know experiment with creativity, or is it still just like man, I've just got to feed myself and make sure I don't get IBS? You know what would be amazing if I have like again because everything's got to be analog technology. But
1: I, I I've got like a cassette tape player, cassette tape recorder, you know, with like a microphone. Yep. And yeah, I start podcasting <laughs> every week. I make a little cassette tape and I just leave it like in a place, a different place each time where you go and discover it, like leave you a series of clues. And then you have a listen to that. You record your end of the conversation and podcast Mike like edits it together, and we still do the
0: podcast. Okay, so all right, but two weeks prior to that, you've left with no with without any like notification. I don't know yeah. anything about where you've gone. You've just disappeared. So you think it's safe to make contact with me to leave me this cassette tape? How do you get it to me? Like, what? How do you, how do you communicate to me that it's you and that this is what's going on without revealing where you're hiding out? So it's hard, isn't it? Well, I don't need you to. I mean, yeah. How do I get it to somewhere that's because uh, they're going to be monitoring mm. all your close contacts, right? Mm. So they've got three hundred and forty episodes of this <laughs> fucking show, so they've analysed our dynamics and stuff, and like this dude. We've got a strong feeling like the computers are talking. They're like, you know, we've run algorithms and this guy cannot stop podcasting. Like clearly he does one with his mate. He does one on his own. They have almost a thousand episodes of podcasts. So we know that's the most high likelihood. So we monitor his podcast partner. Yeah, but the one thing that you've got
1: that is going to be working in opposition of the way that these algorithms operate, see, they take all the data and then they extrapolate on that data of what the most likely scenario will be right you know they just go mm-hmm. with the data we have here's the next logical step that somebody you know using you know these factors would take but as we've learned from you over the years your thinking is best described as counterintuitive like, there hasn't been a business idea we've ever brought up that you haven't come up with a caveat that meant that it's gone from a money-making to a money-losing proposition. And I think mm-hmm. this is now our advantage because you don't think yep. like a computer. You think I'm like crazy so like a fox. Whatever the logical thing is, I've just got to think of – we've got to Costanza it. I've got to at yep. all times think of what the opposite of the logical thing to do is. Do that and you will be the only person who knows – Like you'll just find yourself there.
0: You'll just open up something. You'll be like, this is a cassette tape. Well, I was noticing um, uh, when I was driving around today, I took Iona to daycare. And then generally what I do is I take Iona to daycare. There's a gym on the way home. I'll stop there and do some exercise and and then come home. And I've obviously repeated this pattern enough. Uh, my Google Maps knows this because it now starts telling me how long it is going to be to my next destination. Like it used to be, this is how long it's going to take you to get home, but now it's realized, oh, but he generally goes to this address after he goes to this address. So now that algorithm is mapped out. So you've got to find a way to get my attention by not going to one of the usual places that you know that I visit. Can't be Bunnings, can't be the gym, can't be my local cafe, can't be my local supermarket. How do you contact me? Where are you leaving this note or this cassette? It's hard. It is hard. You know what? I, I, I can't think about it on the spot right
1: now, but the first four or five weeks when I'm in the cave, that's plenty of time to come up with a plan. Like I'm going to have some good thinking time while I'm hiding because I'm not contacting you the next week. I've got to spend yeah. like a month in the cave and I'm going to need some things to, you know, occupy my mind. One of them is going to be coming up with how I get this cassette to you. Maybe it's about separating it? the cassette and the clue, right? Yeah. So I can yeah. drop a clue at one of the places that I know you're going to be, but yeah. I, the cassette has to be at the complete opposite. So it has to be like at a home hardware rather than a Bunnings. Like, you yeah. know, the one time you decide you're not going to go to Bunnings for, because of some sort of fact, you end up at home hardware. That's where it's going to be.
0: Well, if we were taking it from now, so it's 12 hours from now you have to escape, 12 hours from recording this podcast, you know that I'm in the midst of scrubbing my dirty deck. Mm -hmm. So if you could somehow get uh, like a tape or something to Bunnings in that 12 hours before you have to take off in your analog vehicle, there is a good chance that I will go to Bunnings in the next couple of weeks to get you know, timber oil or, you know, uh, like some work boots or something like that. So if you can leave something in on the shelves, there's a good chance. I mean, you're taking a risk, but there's a good chance that I might find it. I just don't know how I get it in there. That's the problem.
1: Like it's almost got to be outside the – because I can't really go anywhere where there's cameras.
0: You know, so I've got to keep away from – well, it doesn't – but if you know that you've got 12 hours, so, you know, this is – if you do it in the first hour, you've still got 11 hours to disappear – doesn't yeah, matter if they know that you. But they know that I was at Bunnings. Why was there at Bunnings? And
1: then they're looking at Bunnings for clues or whatever. When they go back and have a look at this information, they suddenly identify yeah, you. This is we're all in this together. Way too early at this point. I need some distance between my old life and my new life to get away from things. I don't need them to know that I'm still in the area or that I'm still communicating with you.
0: Well, okay, I mean, I, I guess how after the we-
1: first podcast goes up, they'll know I'm
0: still communicating with you. <laughs> How about we throw it out to the listeners? If you can think of a way after three weeks of isolation that Will can get in contact with me to get me this cassette tape so we can keep doing the podcast, but in a way that wouldn't be detectable by AI, email us, send us a message, go to tofop.com and send us a message on how that would be done. And while you're at the website, why don't you check out some of our other great podcasts like Willosophy. Who's on Willosophy this week, Will? Uh, So Andrew McCarthy
1: who is a, um, a famous actor from the 80s. Everybody knows who Andrew McCarthy is. And uh, Akech uh, – oh, now I'm going to say her name wrong, but she's an a, um, a incredible AFLW player uh, with an uh, Akech Makua-Chuart. Uh, she is – I don't think I got that entirely correct, which I fucking hate, but um, – uh, yeah, incredible AFLW player with an incredible backstory of being a refugee and making it to Australia, and it's a really cool episode. So
0: I would say check that out. I listened to the Andrew McCarthy episode, and I've got to say it's so great. He is amazing, but the sheer delight in which you both talk about Weekend at the <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> worth, it, worth listening to because you go in quite – Soft because you don't know what his reaction or his attitude is going to be about it. And you you sort of like, you just, you know, gentle, gentle go in. But then as soon as he gives you the green light, the enthusiasm that pours out of you, it's absolutely infectious. It's such a great chat.
1: I mean, that moment where I suggested when he dies that he should get people to drag his corpse around, (laughs) he reacted to that as if... I mean, maybe it's not the first time he's heard somebody make that sort of joke, but he reacted like it was, and that was a genuinely special moment.
0: <laughs> uh, we've also got an AFL podcast called Two Guys, One Cup. It's more AFL adjacent. It's a bit mm-hmm. like this show. We basically use football as a framework to talk about the, not the usual bullshit, and it's a very interesting season uh, for us because my team is doing terribly, but Will's team is doing great. So it's like the original odd couple. And yeah, I mean, this is,
1: uh, this week, it's the opposite. My team lost and Charlie's team won. So you probably won't spend the first 30 minutes of the podcast making everybody miserable.
0: Yeah, it was very miserable. And uh, Fofop this week, my guest is Katie Diamond. Uh, you might know her better as Monty Diamond. Uh, fantastic chat with her. That is all at tofop.com. But Will, we've got some messages here from some people. This is from Stephanie. Uh, and the uh, this is uh, the expert I was referring to earlier in the episode about EMS training. She says, "Gents, I've just listened to episode three three eight about Charlie watching two dudes exercise in Melbourne and using EMS. Almost everything Will said was what I was thinking. For context, my UK job is somewhere between your versions of a physio and an exercise physiologist." I also have a master's degree in strength and conditioning and have been doing this for 10 years, which is only a touch shorter than the time I've been listening to you 2 Exercise-based therapy is my jam, so I feel pretty confident in saying the guy instructing was talking absolute bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) What they did to you, Charlie, was a straight-up gimmick. Do you feel uh, validated, Will, or are you always quite confident in that opinion?
1: Well, in the same way as I was confident in the idea that sometimes uh, AI killer robots would kill human beings without (laughs) us telling them to, I was also pretty confident that this was discredited 1970s Russian propaganda.
0: Absolutely, we use EMS for patients during rehab, but generally we use it to help people who are at a low level to stop their muscles wasting, or to get them to going, uh, get them going after surgery or to control pain, ETC. We don't tend to use it if there's nothing wrong with you and we definitely don't toss it on all the muscles simultaneously because that is just ridiculous and that is not how the body works. <laughs> That that
1: was one of the things that I thought wasn't fully thought through because I was like, yeah, at the physio, they'll just put it in one specific area and it's about working those specific muscles. But these guys are like,
0: yeah, but what if you just worked all your muscles at once? Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense to me, doesn't it? Like there's got to be <laughs> no. some form of exercise or resistance training where you are engaging like, the majority of your muscles in one movement. Like I was saying, you know, powerlifting or or weightlifting or something like that, those guys would be engaging, you know, their legs, their (laughs) core, their arms, their shoulders. Like, there's a lot going into that.
1: You mean the most physically exerting thing you can possibly think of?
0: (laughs) (laughs) As is the case with most things, there is no substitute for genuine hard work performed consistently so that things stay in a – Sorry, I've got to read this again. There's no substitute for genuine hard work performed consistently so that things state it's, uh, it's a time-saving miracle or often not. I'm sorry. Also, contrary to popular belief, muscle soreness isn't a great marker of whether you've done a good or effective workout. So your complete inability to move after the workout is not a good sign. <laughs> In summary... I'm with Will. Just because something gets used in one context doesn't immediately mean it's appropriate everywhere. And if a stranger asks you to take off your underwear and wear something other people have been rubbing their sweaty genitals over, just say no. Although I hear there's big bucks in that in certain circles. No personal experience, I should add. I love your work, Steph. All right. Thanks, Steph. Well, I look, I... We haven't vetted Steph, but I'm I'm happy to take her her opinion as being valid. <laughs> I love that um, you
1: think we should vet Steph as opposed to these shysters that you just <laughs> rolled into because you were like, "Well, I saw some couple of kiwis
0: blokes doing it." Uh, this is a, we're getting a lot of bot emails at the moment. Oh, yeah. um, this one I cannot make head nor tail over of what it, this bot is asking us to do. So I'll just read it to you. This is from the bot called Zoe. <clears throat> Hi. How are you doing? I will make it simple and short. I want to contribute an amazing guest post to your website. Mm -hmm. For that, we just need three steps. I will send you some new topic ideas that will be tech-oriented and in trend too. Number two you'll have to choose one of those number 3 i will then send high quality article on that chosen topic for you to publish on your website okay. with 1 2 follow linked with a 1 do follow link to my site let me know how this sounds shall we start with step 1 best zoe no what the Dear fuck zoe, are we are no. they, <laughs> what? i don't understand
1: a word of that what is this bot trying to achieve i think that like, zoe the bot I I mean, I don't know actually what they're absolutely trying to achieve, but let's... A tech-oriented article. Okay. So I imagine it's some sort of algorithm that can just write an article about any topic, right? So you send them back some topics, it writes an article, you post the article on our Uh... website and then it links through to Zoe the Bot's website, which drives more traffic and ads and gets other people to do it. I, I don't know what the end goal is, making money for somebody, I assume, but or harvesting information or infecting your computer with some sort of virus so that they can change all your passwords and strip out your credit card details. I issue.
0: Well, there's no I apologise,
1: Zoe, if you are actually a legitimate business that just wants to post your article
0: about technology on our page. Well, there's a second robot right into this. This robot calls himself Mm -hmm. Maurice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Hello. It is with sad regret to inform you that bestlocaldata.com is shutting down. We have oh, no. made all our databases for sale for a once-off price. Visit our website to get the best bargain of your life. Bestlocaldata.com. Regards, Maurice. Tempted? Well, I'm glad that Maurice let us know. I mean, how would we have felt
1: if we'd needed to go to what was the name of their business again? Bestlocaldata.com. Bestlocaldata.com. What do you think the best... Don't look up the website, because, but yeah, it, we'll what do you think the
0: bestlocaldata.com does? Um... I imagine it's like you're buying just bandwidth or something like that. Like, you know, like Google, you could expand your Google Drive or, or. But can you, like, like what can we, like,
1: is there some sort of business that allows us to
0: have more local data? I guess it'd just be like a, yeah, like an independent internet storage website or something like that. That's not like a Google Drive or a Dropbox or or something like that. But let's say they're selling their entire business. Do we want to buy it? Do we want to be tech? Oh my God, maybe this is what. It's all come full circle. I mean, podcast Mike dresses like a like a tech whiz kid. Maybe we we you and I become like tech giants. The the they talk about the Gold Coast is going to become the next Silicon Valley. Maybe this is this is our future, Will. This is what Topop's been leading towards. I think when they say the Gold
1: Coast is going to be Silicon Valley, it's a different type of silicon that they're talking about. But I am actually going to the Gold Coast to do a gig after all these times of saying the entire gold coast should be bulldozed into the ocean i have relented i'm going to carumban which i have been led to believe ah, is an incredibly beautiful place and it's awesome. uh, there is a local venue there only 200 mm-hmm. seats um uh, I'm going to do my Will Eagle show. So if you're in the Gold Coast region, because I didn't take the show there, if you want to come and see that show, Carumbin, uh July 24 or something like that. But all the details
0: are on uh, comedy.com.au. Uh, this is from, and I apologize if I get this wrong, Gavanch or Gavanch. Uh, he says, hey guys, hope you're both well. I just recently watched a documentary that I think would be right up your alley. Probably one of the most insane and funny docos I've ever seen. It's called Project Odessa. It's about a Russian mobster and a Miami playboy and how they eventually end up trying to buy a Russian submarine uh, for the Cali cartel during the 80s. Have you seen Project Odessa? Uh, I have not, no. No. No, Have I haven't heard of it either. No, 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 no. I might okay. watch this uh, on next weekend. I hope you're both doing well, enjoying living in northern New South Wales. Also, I just wanted to thank Will for the recommendation of a Girl's Guide to Dude Cinema podcast. I'm having a blast hearing their thoughts on movies I've enjoyed over the years. Good podcast, that one.
1: It is a really good podcast, and I was actually having a conversation about it earlier today with uh, uh, Chaz Lichidalo, who I'm sure a lot of people who listen to, to this uh, show, I know Chaz from his work on The Chaser and uh, Planet America and all the brilliant things he does. And we were both talking about how big fans that we are and we were commiserating on the fact that our team, the Western Bulldogs, lost on Friday night. So oh, Chaz is such Band a good person. Well. Oh, mate. Like for next time when you do another se- season of uh, My Club, yeah, you've got to get Chaz on to talk about the Bulldogs. He is so good to talk about football with like yeah right the same way as he approaches like everything he does for the chaser he's one of those guys who just knows everything about everybody thinks about football really deeply yeah he, he's such a good person to talk to about footy and also favorite podcasts about and we were both uh, raving about that show today
0: have they done an episode on point break i can't remember ah
1: uh, possibly i keep going through like, cause I, every time, cause I've been, you know, they asked me to go on the show and I just haven't had the opportunity to do it. And I keep seeing movies that I would have liked to do
0: get ruled out. And I'm like, ah, oh, that would have been a good one. Ah, oh, that would have been a good one. Did you seen, uh, Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder, uh, zombie thing on oh, Netflix?
1: I tried.
0: I tried. Oh, I, it is so bad. <laughs> like it is I mean, I, so I tried. bad. I mean, it's probably, maybe we can talk about it on a, on, a, on the next podcast, yeah. but I, it took me about three viewings to get through it, but. A, it's a complete rip-off of Aliens. I don't know if anyone's noticed that, but every single story beat, every character, they're all like, it's completely lifted from Aliens. It's like, no, I haven't read much or seen much of people going, hang on, you've just completely... In the same way that the Fast and the Furious's point break, Army of the Dead is Aliens, and it's uh, but done really, really badly. He's just... He's a terrible filmmaker. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I know there's like... We're probably bringing on the ire of the most toxic fanboys there are out there, oh. but... I mean, he makes really good opening titles, really good credits. That's what he should do. Just bring him in to do the credits for your movie, but don't have him try and tell a story or or develop characters. It's so bad. So bad. It's just not his – it's not his strength.
1: Like no. visually, he, he – he, look, it's not my style, but I can see that it is a style. Like he has a visual style and he clearly does some things that people – like the look of, and I, I can understand that. Like, I like 300. It, it mm. looked good, um, yeah. and I, th- I can see that he has a visual style, but his storytelling style is not to my tastes.
0: It's like he's 13 years old. Like, everything about it, like the gun worship and the buff dudes and the hot babes, and it's like, is this the first zombie movie where the zombies have abs? Like, all the zombies are ripped. <laughs> it's like, how did this... Happen like when are the, the zombies like after your body like after you die and your body deteriorates I didn't realize you can get shredded I mean maybe that's the next thing <laughs> it's like the death well, workout this yeah from what I saw and I haven't seen enough to
1: even know if this is the case but it felt to me like zombies could do everything There everything. was just all sorts of like whatever you want do you want slow ones fast ones rip ones yeah. gymnastic ones like we've got every sort of zombie and that to me is a little bit like he's Everything that he does, where you're just yeah. like, I oh, know. Why, why would we just have one
0: sort of zombies when we can have every type of zombie? <laughs> there's, there's robot zombies. There's zombies that hibernate. Like it's literally whatever <laughs> the plot needs them to do. Yeah, there's robot zombies oh, at one point. It's just okay. hang on. We've
1: got to. I've we'll got to go watch this up. whole thing and we've got to talk about
0: this. Okay. If there's robot zombies, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. That's type for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson.